Hey there, I'm Thomas Manning from The Rundown of Movies and Meet Me in the Movies, and recently had a conversation with Tom Howe, the composer for Ted Lasso. We got to speak about some of his work on season two. We actually spoke last year about his work on season one as well, so it was nice to catch back up with him and follow up. Hope you guys enjoy our conversation. It's always great to speak with Tom, and uh, thank you so much for watching. Hope you guys enjoy Oh well, yeah, Tom, really appreciate you taking the time for this and uh, really happy to be speaking with you today. Well, thanks for having me. Yes, sir. And uh, so I don't know if you remember this, but we actually spoke a few months ago. And uh, in that conversation, we talked about your partnership with Marcus Mumford. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm wondering how has that creative relationship continued to evolve, you know, from season one into season two and now heading into season three, just what's that evolution been like? Well, I think, I mean, we when before we started season one we were fortunate enough to um spend 10 days together at marcus's studio which i know we talked about last time um and it's always good isn't it to kind of meet in person and sort of um you know actually spend time together because obviously after that we were completely online um for season two marcus has sort of been in the middle of also doing a record so he was strange enough we sort of swapped continents so I was more time in Europe for season two and he was more time in America. So we were back to um, sharing things online and um, over the internet. But it's all, I mean, anytime you can run anything past another person um, and get an opinion is always good, right? So that works both ways, him sending something to me and me sending something to him. Um, but I think when you're composing, particularly, um, you know, when the world's not been quite as uh, open as it has been, you're always in a bubble of sorts. And uh, so I think just being able to bounce ideas off another person and say, what do you think of this? Is this any good? Or, you know, it's massively helpful. So, yeah, he, I mean, he's obviously brilliant and it's just, uh, yeah, good to be able to share things with him and the other way around too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, looking through your IMDb, you tend to work on, you know, six, seven, eight projects a year. Um, and so these projects that cross genres and narrative styles from documentaries to reality TV, animation and feature films, and then, you know, shows like Ted Lasso. So, you know, is it challenging for you to shift mindsets and approaches for each different project? Or is there kind of a uh, consistent rhythm you just kind of work yourself into that when you're always in that cycle? I actually, well, I mean, partly it's a muscle that if you're using it, you're, you know, if you're running all the time, you're just better at running, aren't you? And uh, for me, the worst moment is actually when I take a holiday, which doesn't happen very often. But if I do, I don't come back. I find I can't do anything for a couple of weeks. It's almost like I forget. But actually having projects that are varied, I think is very, very helpful because you're less likely to kind of um, repeat an idea or fall into a trap. So if you're jumping from an animation where you're doing a sort of big orchestral score to something like Ted Lasso where it's guitars or you go on to something else where it's very synth heavy. I think it, it's good to kind of, um, you know, switch hats and uh, think about things in a different way. So I always find it hardest if I'm doing, I mean, not that I stack things back to back, but if you finish something and start something else afterwards and it's in a similar style, that I find hard. It takes me a while to find my feet in the second thing and not just sort of, you know, kind of be in the same mindset I was but as soon as it's a different style I find I can just almost right that's done and I'm on to the next thing and it's a completely different thing and you know work on different instruments and just think in a different way so yeah but that's the media job right media composing doing stuff to picture you're permanently 
juggling different hats and uh, you know disciplines. Right, right, and kind of going off of that, uh, I think you recently composed a um, composed the music for a feature film, uh, Shattered. Um, yeah. And so, so what's kind of the turnaround time between composing a score for a feature film compared to composing for a single episode of Ted Lasso? Just what's that uh, time frame comparison look like? Well, I mean, traditionally TV, um, I mean, particularly network TV, which Ted Lasso actually, you know, isn't as such, but you, there's usually a very strict schedule and you are spotting on a, you know, Monday and you have until the following Wednesday to deliver the episode and then you start the next one and so on and so forth. Um, on a film, it can really vary. So if I, um, like an Ardman animation, where they're doing a lot of stop motion or something like that, I can come on a year and a half before I actually have to score the music because um, they often need music to help them sort of sell their storyboards and things as they're going along because sometimes it's so hard to know what's going on. But on a film like Shattered, I mean, that was an interesting one. That came to me late in the day, and that's a good example. I mean, that was a very, very um, synth-heavy score. Um, not, you know, especially thematic, if you know what I mean. It was a very sort of driven by kind of, um, you know, low synths and sort of, um, you know, angry sounds in many places. And that one, I didn't have much time. I only had about six weeks or something like that. So that's, a, you know very different gig to an 18-month Ardman. But TV generally, unless there's a sort of push in the schedule like they can't get a location or they have to come back and do pickups, it's usually quite, um, you know, they send you a schedule that tends to stay fairly consistent. Yeah, and looking specifically to some of your work in Ted Lasso, um, with the I think with the character arcs in this show have been just incredible. And obviously the character of Jamie Tart has uh, seen some of the most evolution of any of the characters. Um, so can you kind of talk about how you've evolved his musical theme as well, just over the first couple of seasons and just what you're, um, what you're always looking to do with um, his dynamic character arc and reflected in your music? Yeah, I mean, I think with any character theme, I'm always attempting to look for something that is very malleable. So that gives the, has the kind of emotive, um, emotion underlying that I need for that character, knowing where they're going to um, end up. But I need to be able to bend it for different um, situations. And so Jamie's one is a good example. The, the, I mean, the bass is moving down chromatically in that. Um, and the tune is quite sweet. But I can change it, you know, change the harmony underneath that to make it have a very, very different feeling. And as you say, he started out basically as a sort of, you know, somebody who you weren't rooting for and then sort of he had this kind of evolution of, of coming back as the good guy so i needed the you know the theme to be able to cover a lot of different moods and that i mean that's always what you're looking for really is that that um you know the ted tune does that the void tune they all they all hopefully you're able to use them for um whatever emotion the character um throws at you on their sort of journey through the season you know and that really is also the beauty of tv i mean sometimes on a film i always think how you know, John Williams doing nine of those Star Wars movies and that how many hours of music that is. What's so incredible about it is that, you know, how much time he had to kind of develop some of it. You listen to some of the, the same themes that he does again in the later films and the different arrangements underneath. And often in a movie, if you get a, you know, an animation movie that's 80 minutes long, you put all your themes into it, but you haven't always got, um, you know, lots and lots of time to kind of, really develop them but on a tv show particularly as you move into seasons two and three and so on 
you've kind of hopefully had enough time and material to really kind of hammer home a theme and you know develop it in different ways as you move along and jamie's is is um hopefully does that yeah and uh, is there like a particular moment in your music that you feel kind of encapsulates uh jamie's character arc um you know think there was one one moment in uh, the sixth episode of season two that really stood out when he scores the goal um, and like yeah. the, mu the music in that scene really came together. Um, so is there anything that you want to speak to specifically about that moment? Well, yeah, so that, I mean, when he, in episode two, he comes out of the TV, um, you know, interview where he's, uh, they, he's sort of realized that his career is um, over and, up, and the tune plays just on a solo piano um, with kind of um, actually like slide guitars, very reverbed in the background. And as you say, when he then walks onto the, it's a bit unsure at that point and a little bit down. And when he walks onto the pitch, to, you know, to score that goal, he sort of steps up for that moment. But it's sort of, I've got, I've got the sort of band and the orchestra building underneath. And then he walks up to the ball and that tune plays, but now it's in a very positive way. And then he steps forward and obviously puts it in the back of the net and the whole thing kind of kicks off. But that's a good example of, you know, between the episodes, that in episode two, it's very, sort of emotive and sort of sad in many ways and a bit lost and it's very sparse you actually the, i recorded the piano so that you can hear as well as the music you actually kind of hear the stool moving and the piano pedal and it's all very raw and then in that scene as you're saying underneath that there are kind of synths bubbling away and giving it energy and there's lots of guitars and you know it just gives you that feeling of um he's about to do something great you know yeah, and you know, as a comedy show, I feel like comedy in itself is very rhythmic in nature. Um, so do you feel yourself um, composing music specifically to fit the rhythm of the comedy? Uh, you know, Jason Sudeikis is um, very, I think his, his body language has a lot of rhythm to it. So is there anything like that from your perspective as a composer that you find yourself kind of composing um, in tune with the, uh, the physical body language? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, Jason's obviously, as you say, he's brilliant in it. I mean, I, all picture to me has a sort of inbuilt um, tempo, um, depending on what's going on uh, on the screen. And when you watch someone like Jason or some of these sporting moments in Lasso, A, the speed of how people are moving on camera, but also the speed of the cuts and things, you can often find just by looking at it, there's a tempo that kind of fits that groove. But comedy is interesting because I just think comedy, to do a kind of, comedy scene that's really difficult um, but because you don't want to kind of overplay it um, but obviously it needs something but I think the timing is the most important thing as you say and probably also where you don't do anything because sometimes stopping the music can be as effective as having it there in the first place because you suddenly realize something's changed and then the joke can land and you can then come back in and, but I think it's doing these things subtly so that you hopefully let the picture speak for itself and just sort of support it underneath but there's definitely a um, natural, um, you know, rhythm within Ted Lasso. And as you say, in, in Jason's, the way he moves and acts and everything as well. Yeah. And uh, in this season, you got to work on a Christmas themed episode. And in episodes like that, I'm sure you get to do a lot more interesting things that you wouldn't be able to do in one of the more traditional episodes. So is there anything in particular about working on the music in that uh, in the Christmas episode that you appreciated or that sticks out to you compared to uh, working on one of the more traditional episodes? Well, I got to use sleigh bells. I haven't, I, I, don't, <laughs> I haven't managed that in any other episode 
Um, but yeah, that was a sort of feel-good episode. There was also one of the cues in that episode is actually quite long, because obviously in, in a particularly in a, um, I mean, the episodes got longer as the season went on, but traditionally in a kind of, um, you know, half-hour comedy, the cues are all quite short, but there's a cue in episode four that's nearly three minutes long. And so I get to play the tune in a kind of long form, nice and slowly. And then at the very end, it's, it's accompanied by some sleigh bells just on the out. But, um, and again, that's actually, I mean, to your last question, that is all set to, um, you know, Ted and Rebecca walking down the street. So the rhythm of that is entirely dictated by how fast they're walking and how the camera then moves around and cuts around. But yeah, it was fun doing the Christmas episode because as I say, um, you don't get to, I did the Christmas moustache short thing as well, you know, but you don't, doing Christmas sleigh bells and stuff and using sort of, you know, glocks and celestes and sort of, you know, sparkly sounds, um, you're not always going to get away with that, but it's a fun thing to do, you know. Yeah, and I also really love the Coach Beard episode, uh, Beard After Hours, and just how creatively ambitious it was on all fronts, and I think everybody on the crew probably got a chance to do something different here. So anything particular about scoring that episode that uh, you remember that was especially unique? Yeah, I mean, to me, that episode is musically completely um, different to, to the rest of the show, as the episode was, as you say, in itself. So it was very much decided early on it was going to be, you know, a standalone sort of thing relating to him. I had a tune for him from elsewhere, uh, earlier in another episode, which I then used throughout that episode. But it was all quite sort of synth heavy in the main. And then in a couple of spots, I used a solo trumpet, um, which I haven't done anywhere else in the, um, in the school because it had a kind of film noir feel. And that just seemed like a kind of appropriate choice with a load of reverb on it. And um, uh, yeah, sort of sat well. But that episode is definitely, you know, sometimes I could take a cue from uh, episode four and I can try it in episode six and if it works I can sort of rework it and you know try and make some connection between the two but there's nothing in episode nine that I can imagine using anywhere else in the series or in the next season or beyond it was a completely one-off um, thing for me musically and I think as a whole it was a one-off you know yeah and uh, another thing we talked about last time was um, how you had to be aware of the uh, the soundtrack songs that were going to be played because you know there were some there's some hip hop, there's some British classic rock. Um, and then I think we were mostly talking about season one, uh, but heading into season two, what were some more things you had to be aware of um, in that nature? Uh, because I think there was some more variety in the soundtrack in season two, even compared to season one. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, again, it comes, a lot of those things come down to pacing. So if you've just had a kind of very um, up song or the other way around, you might have had something very sad. The music, the score may need to, then pick it up or take it down. So you're looking at the whole thing in a in a linear, you know, how does the episode flow? But also when you've got a lot of needle drops in any film or TV, you have to be, um, it's a good moment when they actually pin down. I mean, on Ted Lasso, we're lucky that the music uh, budget to license songs is, is very good. So generally what people want, they seem to kind of be able to have. But the nightmare is always when you've, you've, you've written your cue and then they can't get the track they want and they throw something else in and it's in a completely different key. And, uh, you know, suddenly the music that you've written doesn't work anymore because it clashes in terms of, you know, harmony with, uh, with the needle drop. So I think, yeah, just being aware of, um, you know, what key songs are in and also just how they, 
feel on the overall arc of an episode, you know. But uh, but yeah, I think uh, songs also, I just think they bring a different energy to something. And I think that's hugely helpful um, in film and TV, you know, but to have stuff to break up the score as you're kind of going through something. Well, uh, Tom, again, I want to thank you for your time today and uh, for such a wonderful conversation. And uh, before I let you go, is there anything else you want to add that I didn't get to? No, I think, I mean, I just, season two is hugely enjoyable, as was the first one, but it's just great being a part of a show that a, everybody loves, but also that everybody involved is so kind of nice. It's not, you know, it doesn't happen every time, but yeah, it's been great fun. So thanks for having me on anyway. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, really looking forward to season three, and uh, hopefully we get another chance to talk sometime down the line. That'd be great. Yes, Thanks very much. Yep, y'all have a great Thank one. You. All right, you too. Take care. Thanks, Bye. you too. Bye.